Hello listeners and welcome to the second episode of the Innovated MEC podcast. Here we have with us Shiva Ranganathan. He is an alumni of MEC and he currently works as a production engineer at Verizon Media. I am your host Ashwin. So, uh, let's get started. Shiva, uh, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself and uh, what you did at MEC like what technologies were interesting to you and how you ended up where you are right now? So basically my name is Shiva. I'm a uh, I passed out a couple of years ago at MEC. So what I was interested in back in college or what I was interested in now? Uh both, why not? Okay, so uh, so while I was in college, I was mostly interested in uh backend development, uh also uh low level systems programming. So that was the kind of stuff I mostly liked. Right now, if you ask me, I mostly like distributed systems and working on that particular domain. Okay. So uh, why do you think your interest shifted from back end to distributed systems? Uh it's it's not mainly a shift because back in university I did not have any infrastructure that I could leverage to learn distributed systems because all I have is a personal laptop and mostly a PC as well but other than that I did not see systems at scale or did not have did not have access to those platforms so basically it's like uh, it's it's not a shift of interest but it's a new field that i found interest in survey yeah. okay so can you describe a little bit about your field like cloud technology or distributed infrastructure and all that okay so uh, my field it mostly deals with uh, challenges at scale basically like uh, serving a lot of customers and basically managing load uh between across regions as well as sh- shifting traffic during failovers as such so i manage all those systems and I, i technically i don't like my team manages all the systems so basically i'm just a part of it yeah okay um so how is this role different from a typical sd role or a typical devops role like what are the differences there so this is a devops role uh but you see firstly like uh, you got to understand like what's uh, what is what it is meant by a devops role because like it it can be confusing like it was confusing to me as well so uh, a devops role typically could have uh, different titles so one of them would be a build and release engineer for example so uh, other would be a cloud engineer for instance and there is site reliability engineer production engineer so it's mostly based on the job description of what they do so basically like each of these role would have a certain uh, workload that's associated with the engineer like they will have a certain operational workload as well as a certain development workload so the only change you will find between a typical ste and a devops role is uh, typically like the devops role would mostly come with something called an on call rotation that's typically not seen but rest of the things are mostly same unless you have a very high operational workload which is kind of not recommended uh what is an on call uh, rotation so this on call rotation is that uh, it's kind of like an incident response so if something happens you will be in charge uh, it's for like you will have it like for 1 by 5 or 1 by 6 like once in 6 weeks or once in 5 weeks yeah okay so when if something crashes or something goes down you are supposed to be ready to fix it yeah you yeah you are the primary point of contact like you should mitigate that somehow yeah okay Uh, so uh, what do you think of the sort of job market situation like the internships and job packages on this domains so last podcast we had kurian we talked about machine learning and he said that despite the hype the actual sort of internship and job opportunities for ml is not as much 
not as uh, numerous as people think. So how does that like compare to this? Is it easier to find job in a cloud-related domain or not? Uh, is it easier to find jobs? I would say I can't compare between two fields because, like you know, both are kind of like up and coming fields. Like mostly people shifting to hybrid cloud and private and public cloud recently, and also machine learning is also like a very up and coming field. Like more companies are starting to use it. So basically, like the job market is there, uh, you have to find it and apply. Okay. Uh, what about internships? Like while while you were at college, were you aware of any sort of companies that are uh, offer internships in this kind of field uh, in this kind of field i think a couple of companies do offer i know that linkedin does but i'm not so sure but yeah i think they had it the following year uh, the year after i passed out yeah 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 there are companies which uh, yeah but you'll have to mostly find it yourself because you have to read the job description and you know just find out what the role they are asking you for okay Uh, so we all hear about uh, Docker and Kubernetes and all that. Is it really useful to know it for a for a beginner or a person who's just starting a job? How important is knowledge of things like container orchestration? Okay, so that's a tricky question. So that depends mostly on uh, what work you are looking for. So I would say if you are a beginner, like understanding containers is actually good because. whether you are an sde or sre like containers offer a very good platform to easily test and you know mom up like have your development servers on or having them at a consistent state so that's more important what i feel like uh, so you get to learn about uh, the very basics of what what an immutable state means and how it is useful so i would say learning containers is good but container orchestration platforms well i don't think uh, for a beginner uh, that would be really useful unless you are used to what, what is called a containerized workload because you know most of the container orchestration platforms are meant to be run at scale when you have different uh, containerized workloads and uh, for hobby projects or for beginners i don't think you would have much like if you have them yeah you could definitely try it out okay and we have things different things like um, infrastructure as a service platform as a service so we have google's compute engine which is uh, infrastructure as a service i think and app engine which is platform as a service and then we have things like firebase which is serverless so uh, what are the applications of these three things when it comes to like big companies and smaller hobby projects and like things in between so when it comes to big companies uh... you should really think big companies on public cloud i guess if they are leveraging stuff like uh, like the google cloud platform or aws for instance so mostly like uh, when it comes to big companies on public cloud it mostly depends on their kind of workload and the profits they get out of leveraging one of these platforms because if they don't have enough infrastructure engineers they would mostly would want to some, uh, go with something like uh, platform as a service because most of the things are managed you don't have to worry about uh, ma- managing the infrastructure there like but if you have more engineers you would mostly want to go with infrastructure as a service and fine tune it from there and if you have workloads that are like that don't re- require the resources all the time you could go with serverless serverless is very like it's it's a very up and coming field like i don't think we have much uh, we are we are leveraging serverless uh, as much as we want 
uh, it's like I've used AWS Lambda a couple of times, but I'm not really like aware of what all possibilities are you could do with it. Is there like any concern about these services changing their policies or pricing and that can affect? Because if you're on AWS, it is, I think it is difficult to migrate to some other cloud platform. So if let's, for example, say AWS changes their pricing or policies, like how, how does companies handle that? How does companies handle That's a good question for the like the finance team or something. But yeah, but mostly you would you would enter into an agreement or like big companies would have like an agreement in place for a certain number of years. So you, the price is fixed. It's not like uh, flexible or fluctuating as you see. Uh, okay, so there is no like if AWS or if GCP changes their policies, you don't have. There's no like backup plan to migrate services to a different thing as soon as possible. Uh, backup plans would be there, but you see, when AWS or GCP changes services, they change services for their customer offerings, but not their enterprise offerings, which is like behind closed doors. So it's kind of a different process there. Yeah, but it's it's not the same as, you know, like suddenly they release a new term sheet and you have to go through it. So it's mostly like they know the companies who leverage it uh, would, would come to notice beforehand, they uh, like publicly announce it. So yeah, they, they have mitigation steps planned there. Okay, so the next question is on uh, the various roles on the market. So I heard that uh, from different places, I kind of heard that if you start out on a certain role, like say a QA engineer or an ML engineer, and if you want to switch to a different role in the same software engineering field, but not, not what you were doing before, uh, you will be treated as somebody having zero experience. Is that really true? That is true. If you are switching fields entirely, uh, yeah, you'd be treated as uh, as a fresher or like as a person with uh, no experience on the domain because basically like they would have to prep you up and you would have to learn the stack and you know, it takes time. So that is true to an extent, but yeah, you would have, you would definitely have an advantage if you are used to working in the industry and the other, other things required because of the general soft skills that you require during software development that would surely help you okay when uh, preparing for a, a field or preparing to break into a field usually the three things that everybody says is do an internship do some good projects and contribute to open source so in this particular field of distributed computing or cloud technology uh, what do you think should be done when in college you mentioned that in college you do not have the resources or infrastructure so Right now, if you were to tell someone in college how to get started in this field, what, what should they focus on? Should it be projects? Should it be internships or something else? For me, what worked out was like, I liked operating systems and I liked Linux. Uh, so I liked uh, learning about the every tiny bit of detail in that. So that's what helped me get my job. So I can only give you that as an advice. But in terms of internships and open source contributions, I would say do it if you like, if you like the opportunity you get. Like just don't do it for the namesake, but yeah, do it if you're actually learning about it. Okay, so can you tell me more things like that that are important? You just mentioned Linux was really important in the field. So like what are the sort of fundamental things you really need to know? So uh, fundamental things, it's basically like if you're troubleshooting, you need to understand the inner details of how a process works and what all happens like from the start creation of the process to when it, to when it touches the running state. So it's basically more of like, uh, you need to get a good understanding of the operating systems concepts, as well as uh, you need to be aware of things like uh, compilation and how binaries are built and what happens when uh, you use different build options and different optimizations are involved, like what kind of different differences you see in the binaries. Are. So things like that, yeah. 
So basically, like understanding the core uh, CS concepts would be great. Uh, okay, there are some certifications that like Google Cloud Engineer. I think Microsoft has a few certifications like that, and there are many courses on many websites that offer certifications on these things. So uh, these certificates, do they really matter? Like, do they have any value? Uh, in my opinion, no. Unless you are looking for uh, a entry level position and uh, they are required, like it's, it's like mandatory. Don't do it. I've seen these certifications. I don't know about the Google or Microsoft ones, but I've seen these for AWS. They are really expensive as well. Uh, I don't think it's worth doing it. And the most important thing behind that is that when you do these certifications, you learn about a managed cloud service. So that's that's uh, more. You should be more interested in like you know how these things work rather than leveraging the APIs and documentation that provide they provide. Like more than that. Okay, so you mentioned you work on a CDN and related things. So uh, in my mind, when I hear CDN, it's like there is a server, and then there are some files on the server, and then a web server like Nginx or Apache that is just serving the static files. But it's it's more complicated than that. So what are the additional sort of complexities that come into creating a, a CDN? Okay, so uh, complexities involved at scale. So you you thought about a single web server now so typically typically most companies or if you talk about large enterprises you probably have thousands of servers and you when you understand about caching or caching objects for instance uh, you need to uh, you need to have a few of things in place like uh, what to cache and how often do you want to cache and what's the typical uh, what's the right uh, what do you call right amount so these are all the challenges that you face and uh, also like when you are you are basically controlling the traffic load or distribution so you need to worry about latencies to end users you don't want them want to send them over multi hops as such so yeah these are some of the challenges that we face in cdns and that we are trying to work on uh, so the next question is uh, what are some resources you recommend to people to just get better and this kind of things uh, like can we it can be just books or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very old school guy. I like books. So I would usually recommend, like, if you are interested in DevOps, you should definitely read this uh, book called The Phoenix Project, which which is kind of like a story about a car dealership, which uh, which leverages DevOps to solve some of its internal issues. It's, it's a nice story. and. Yeah, so other than that, if you are going for technical books, you need to learn about uh, stuff like uh, at least if you if you are interested in cdns as such you should learn about the networking fundamentals like all the uh, all the layers in the osi also have a deep understanding of uh, layer 4 and layer 3 i guess yeah. uh, layer 4 and layer 3 is the networking and and the transport yes layer. yes uh, mostly tcp and the latest iterations on it okay so, uh, but like the syllabus that is taught in college, is that is that enough, or should we go beyond that? Uh, ideally, you should uh, like the syllabus is enough in itself. Like if you actually read the complete book, but that's not possible, right? We don't do it. So, yeah, basically, like yeah, it's it's good to follow the books, and it's good to follow the uh, like it's good to keep in uh, touch with what's happening in in the networking world, like. Uh, Get a look at new RFCs and get a look at what's new and upcoming, and you know, learn from that. Okay, so like, what, what do you use as the update on the field? I subscribe to like a one or two newsletters, but I think they are too focused on entrepreneurial stuff and not on the technology side of things. 
So what do you use to stay up to date on the technology? I mostly follow developer blogs. Uh, I, I have a set of them that I, I generally follow. Like I have like 10 to 15 of them. So they are mostly people working on uh, the same domain and they mostly post about their experiences, which I find quite useful. Then uh, apart from that, to keep updated, I, I read stuff like Hacker News, for instance, and uh, also like, yeah, just uh, be aware of new things that's coming. Okay. Uh, so while you were in college, were you part of any uh, communities or teams and things like that? Do you go to meetups and all? Oh, uh, no, I'm not a very social person. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Same. So yeah, it's mostly about like, yeah, going to communities would be good because there are a lot of good communities here. Um, you can even at attend the virtual conferences, in fact. I think the, this year, most of them were virtual. And uh, so I mostly listen to all these meetups on YouTube or like whichever platform, PeerTube, for instance, where they host it. Okay. So uh, that is all the questions I have right now. Uh, would you like to add anything? Yep. Uh, so basically, like uh, mostly, like if you want to uh, get into this field of what you call DevOps or SRE, I would recommend uh, you guys to try out. Uh, basically, like uh, try try to get in, get to know your systems better. So that's one thing I would recommend. I don't have anything other than that. Sorry. Okay. So uh, with that, we can conclude the podcast. Thank you for hosting me. Thank you, Shiva, and thank you, listeners, for being here with us.